I write about the topic that I'm interested because I'm gambling that if I have this problem, if I have if this question, it's very likely that someone else has. So I can do the work for myself and I can educate myself and I can distill it into something that will help people that are facing the same problems. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey listeners, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Lucky for you, I have created a new site that will help you learn how to launch, grow, and monetize your own show. I offer one-on-one mentorship programs and I'm launching an ebook, How to Create a Profitable Podcast, that can help you take your podcast from hobby to profitable business. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com to learn more. Again, that's howtocreatepodcast.com. See you there. On this week's episode, I speak with Lewis, who is the Director of Marketing and Editor-in-Chief at Distant Job. He writes about how to build and manage remote teams and the benefits of hiring remote workers. Lewis is also the host of Distant Job Podcast, where he talks to world-class remote leaders, learning their strategies and tactics. So listen us find out how Lewis has been able to successfully build and hire remote teams. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to speak to Louise. Hey, Louise, how are you? Hey, Debbie. I'm doing great. Thank you. What about you? I am wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yeah, I mean it's kind of a it's it's kind of a long of a long story. But I used to dabble when I was young in in writing, and I really loved writing and and producing content. And, and eventually, I graduated as a dentist, as a dental surgeon. That's not obviously has nothing to do with with writing. But as I progressed in my career, I kept uh, I, I kept bumping into this a passion for writing and I had a feeling that I wanted to do more work in the writing space. So I started building kind of a parallel career and that eventually took over and uh, got me, got me a bit farther away from my dental surgeon career. And eventually it created the opportunity for me to be not only a writer, but uh, an author and, uh, and a marketer. And I ended up, let's just say that the way I ended up, you know, working from home with international clients, that was absolutely nothing that was on my radar when I started my adult life as a dental surgeon. But it's it's quite pleasant and I would say offbeat. Well, that is a huge leap from being a dentist to now doing remote work and being in content marketing, which is pretty incredible. How did you prepare for that journey after you made the huge change of transitioning from a whole new different career? Well, I mean, it wasn't a sudden change, right? I started with a side hustle. Right. I start. I mean, so I had some previous experience because before I graduated, I, I worked for a few websites. I, I was part of one of the first. I mean, I, I'm from Portugal, so initially I started writing in Portuguese, and I was part of a few of. I worked for a few websites and national newspapers writing about video games, which doesn't give you any money, but it does give you free games. So it was it was kind of nice before <laughs> I had any work to get free video games. 
and yeah, so I already had some practice and I knew that I loved writing by the time I, I was in, into my second or, or third year of working as a dentist and I never fully dropped it, but it definitely was more of a, of a hobby. And I started thinking that I could really do something with that. So I started a side hustle as a freelance writer, this time in English, because, well, uh, again, thanks to video gaming, I developed nice English skills and, well, writing in English pays better. So, yeah, I, I started with the goal to make like just a very small amount of money. Like I, I expected on my first three months to end up with an average of like 200 euros per month for my freelancing thing. It was a very soft goal. It, it seemed very achievable. I set up, you know, and I, I thought, well, by the time that in my freelance business, I make a thousand euros per month, which again is not a lot, especially compared to what I earned as a dentist, I will feel that, yes, I am really able to do this. This is a viable business path for me. And that, so I, I started looking in job boards and trying to find freelance gigs. And it was very slowly. It was not like I, one day I said, okay, I'm sick of the dentist life. I'm going to quit and be a writer. No, that, that, that I think is a very, I mean, I wouldn't advise that to anyone. I'm sure that there are people who are, who are able to do that, but I wouldn't want to put myself under that pressure. And because I actually, you know, it was not, I, I honestly enjoyed also my work, my work as a dentist. This was kind of, uh, of me wanting to have more variety in my sources of income and in the kind of work that I did that eventually grew into something much more than I was expecting. Well, I love talking to people like you, Louise, because you had created this incredible career already, but you knew that there was something else that you wanted to pursue. And I think we're all scared, right, of taking that leap, especially when we had put a lot of education in it and people are telling us we're crazy to do something different. How did you get over that? I mean, if you even had fears for it, right? Because for me, I know it was a big struggle. Right. There's mm. a lot of going back and forth with it. What was that journey for you like? Well, Debbie, I mean, again, as you point out, I had a decently successful career as a dentist. So I basically saved six months worth of money. And, you know, I mean, I, I know that this is not this is not a super inspiring answer. But if you have money in the bank and especially if you work on a profession where you more or less make your own time, you can just say, OK, so, you know, now I'm working less two to three, four, four hours a day as a dentist because I don't need to make as much money because I have six months worth of salary in the bank and I can just, you know, use that time to build a side hustle. And, you know, I ended up working long days, of course. I think that it happens to everyone who wants to build a side hustle. They end up having less leisure time and less free time and working long nights and etc. But I never had that fear that, oh my God, what am I going to do if this doesn't work out? No, you know, I, I, had, I had managed to save before I started cutting on my dentist work hours. And I knew that if I was an absolute failure as a freelance writer, I could go back to just being a dentist. I enjoyed it. Yeah, having that preparation for sure is really crucial to actually making this long lasting. And it's also not going to make you do things that you're going to be stressed out about or if you're really, really you're you're not going to be making decisions out of desperation. You know, I think yeah. that's a thing that a lot of people do and you realize it was a mistake and then you take jobs that 
may as well have stayed in your day job, right? Because it's something that you really hate. So that was a really good thing that you did. Well, it's also that I think that what it afforded me to do was to work very cheaply at the beginning and build a solid portfolio and experience. You know, as a writer, this happens a lot where people want you to work for free. And actually in the writer community, this, there's, there's always this debate of whether you should work for free or not. And I don't really have a solid position on it. I can see advantages on both ends. You know, in, in, some, in some way, I really dislike the idea of someone working for free. And I have never, you know, after that, I've never asked anyone to work for free before when I was at the head of a business. But I can see the value that I personally took from it, you know, working for free before becoming a dentist, working for free for, again, for websites and magazines. It really helped me build the skill. Now, I wasn't, because I don't, I dislike this concept of working for free. I was okay with working for very little, again, because I felt like my finances were in a safe spot and just really focused on developing my skill and developing my ability to interact with clients and, you know, and even negotiating, right? You know, I, I remember that when I started my freelance career, I, I was working at about 50 bucks an article, which is nothing, right? It is nothing, especially if it's good. But I did the best articles that I possibly could. I wrote the, the best articles that I possibly could. And, you know, it, it was a good step to after a couple of articles, after a couple of months, you know, negotiating my rates. And that taught me how to negotiate. And it, again, it was very low risk because I was getting paid very little. So if they said, no, we don't want to work with you anymore. We want cheap people. I go, OK, you know, I'm not losing all that much. <laughs> well, that's a really good point that you have, because honestly, in the beginning, especially if you have no background in it, no education, you have to start somewhere. And there is something that you will get out of it aside from monetizing it, right? It's experience. Yeah. You're getting experience. But there has to be a certain point where you should ask for money and you should stop doing anything for free and you need to know your worth, right? In the beginning, when we don't know anything yet, it's kind of like an internship, right? Yeah. A lot of internships don't pay, but it gives you a lot of experience that will allow you to make the money that you need to make. So that's a really good point. Yeah, negotiation is really crucial to all of this as well. Yes. Yeah, like I said, I'm a bit divided. I can see how I benefited from it, but I personally would never ask anyone to work for free for me because there's just something that, that doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's also something that we didn't want to happen to us when we first started, right? Because everyone is working, so it's worth something. Yeah. It's definitely deserves something for that. Now, I know you've talked about saving for six months, right? Or six months worth of money for you in order. That's the expenses. Yeah, of expenses before you actually left your job so that you feel prepared. How did you actually budget that money to make it last? Well, I mean, I knew how much I spent in a month. I'm a very organized person with my finances. So I, I knew all my monthly expenses, the expenses that weren't monthly. I averaged them over six months and I came up with a number and that's it. I know that, you know, in order to live my life exactly as I live it today, I need this amount of cash per month. And that was it. <laughs> I actually recommend that, you know, everyone, especially, you know, creatives, especially for the people who live the freelance life, 
it's really important to have your finances in order because it gives you peace of mind. And by having your finances in order, I don't mean that you need to have a fat bank account that you can rely on. You just need to know how much money you have and how, how long that money will last, right? Because you need to know where you stand if you hit the dry season, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think we go into this, especially when we're just new, thinking that we're going to find a job right away. And then we get hit with reality that it actually takes a little bit of time sometimes to do it. And again, you don't want to lose your money and then have to go back to the day job that you didn't want to do in the first place. So if you want to try to avoid that, definitely have that savings, budget your money wisely, because otherwise you'll, you're will you going to be back to square one. Yeah. And, and by the way, it depends on each person's individual risk tolerance. I am a very conservative better, you know, right? I, I When I bet, I am very conservative in my bets. So I have a low risk tolerance and I recognize that. And that's why I went with six months. If you're a person that's a bit more adventurous, you have a high risk tolerance, maybe you will be okay with two months. Maybe you'll be okay with less than that. You really need to figure out what's the spot where you feel comfortable, you know, temporarily earning less money and trying something new. Yeah, you're right. It's definitely different with everyone when you're going into this. It's just knowing how you are going to be. Yeah. Now, we all have that what now moment after we leave our day job. I know it definitely happened to me. I freaked out a little bit. (laughs) What was yours like, Louise? What was your what now moment? Well, I mean, this might be a very boring answer, but like I said, when you have a solid plan, and especially when you have a plan for when things go wrong, because a lot of people have a plan that are about, okay, I will do this, 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 and that, and then everything will be fine. I had that roadmap, if you will, but I also had the what happens when stuff hits the fan plan, which is if this works out terribly, And I lose, you know, I lose all my savings and uh, I can't make any money. What will I do next? And I had a plan for that as well. So I honestly can't say that I freaked out. By the time I went to the clinics that I was working for as a dentist and I told people, oh, well, I'm not doing this anymore. I was earning more as a writer and marketer than I I was doing as a dentist. So that (laughs) there really wasn't that moment for me. I, I was really I was really comfortable with the place that, that I was in. I simply juggled the two jobs until it felt that again, until one of them won out. Because I, I was originally not planning to stop being a dentist. I just wanted to diversify. But it eventually happened that I can I, I saw I looked at the writing and the marketing and I was like, well, I mean this is making me good money, maybe not dentist money, but it's definitely a much more comfortable and healthy lifestyle. And I can live with this money. I can definitely pay my expenses. So let's do this. (laughs) It definitely took you to that and you definitely prepared for it beforehand. And I think that's the preparation that you talked about that really helped you make this into a more smoother transition than if you just left and had nothing, obviously. Yeah. What about right now, Louise? Has there been a big setback that you're encountering currently as an entrepreneur that you're dealing with? Yeah. I mean, there are setbacks that that happen all the time because... I try new things all the time and I'm part of a growing business. I mean, I work now as director of marketing at Distant Job and the business is growing. 
I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that it's growing every quarter. So as the marketing team grows and I'm responsible for them, as new marketing avenues open up for us to explore, there's definitely more scope for mistakes, but also more scope for learning. When I started working at Distant Job, I was the marketing team. And all that there was was content marketing. But over the past couple of years, the opportunities appeared to do event marketing, to build a sales team, to do social media advertisement, to build a podcast of my own, which I I hope I will interview you for it soon. So (laughs) in all of these areas, there were screw-ups. There were problems that, that arose and there were failures. You know, every now and then you get demotivated and you lose money, but... Again, as long as you have that plan of, if this doesn't work, I'm just going back to the content marketing because I know that that is working. So as long as you have, I guess that, you know, some strategists said that you should cross the river and burn the bridge or burn the ships. (laughs) I mean, I can see how that applies in some sense, but to me... I think that it's nice to uh, to have a sure a safe harbor where you know that you can you can retreat to because this gives you the freedom to experiment right this gives you the freedom to advance boldly because you know that worst case scenario you you know where to turn to and you know where to go so what would you say is your secret sauce for making your work successful and becoming a really successful content marketer? Hmm. I guess there are different answers for those things, but I always try to picture what would my reaction be to this content? If it's interesting to me and if it will be interesting to someone. So when I write my books, I write the books that, that I want to read, right? When I write an article, I don't set out to put my my great and mighty wisdom into a into a blog post so that everyone can benefit from it by, until the end of time. No, I, I write about something that I am interested in, and I start writing, and I research, and I learn. And part of the article that I write. It's kind of a, a report on my learning. So I, I write about the topic that I'm interested because I'm gambling that if I have if I have this problem, if I have if this question, it's very likely that someone else has. So I can do the work for myself and I can educate myself and I can distill it into something that will help people like me or people that are facing the same problems. That's why most of my writing is focused on management, remote management these days. Because guess what? Again, I started as a one-person marketing department. It's grown steadily ever since. And what have I had to learn? I have had to learn how to manage, how to build and manage remote teams. So as I have learned, I have written about it. And, you know, I write about my challenges a lot. And I write about the ways that I found to surpass them. Yeah. And guys, make sure that you listen to the extended interview with Luis because he's going to talk more about his tips and tricks on how to build and manage a remote team for content creation. So I'm really excited to interview you for that, Luis. Mm -hmm. Now let's fast forward to 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life. 50 years from now. (laughs) Yeah. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? You know... I mean, I am almost 37, 
the life expectancy for males in my family is not that great. So, so I, I think that I am going to be looking at this from beyond the grave in 50 years from now, right? 50 years is a long, 50 years is a long time. You never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what would I want to be remembered about? That, that's a tough question. I'm going to go with the manager thing. I, I mean, because that is what takes most of my mental bandwidth these days. So I'd like to be remembered as someone who never held people to expectations that he wouldn't be able to accomplish himself. I feel that I want to be remembered as someone who never gave to other people work or systems or processes that he wouldn't do in their place, walk a mile in their shoes, so to say. Yeah, that's definitely a great legacy that you could be leaving and you would be leaving. Now, what are you working on currently, Luis, that it's really exciting to you? Well, I mean, the thing that most excites me right now, I can't say it's new because celebrated one year, but, you know, one year is still a baby, is really the Distant Job podcast. Because on the Distant Job podcast, I interview people who are building and leading remote teams. I've had the luck to interview people from awesome companies and awesome teams. I mean, from Microsoft to MailChimp, it's really been great. And the reason I started that podcast was, again, because I wanted an excuse to learn from these people. And if I just send an email to a major software lead at Microsoft telling, hey, dude, teach me about managing my remote team. He will probably not answer me. But <laughs> if, I see, if I ask him to, hey, you want to be guest on the podcast? Uh, you know, we, our conversation will be broadcast to a couple thousand listeners and it will be great. And he will come on the podcast and I will get to pick his brain for an hour <laughs> about how to build and lead remote teams. And that's pretty awesome. And it worked out. I'm really proud of the work that I'm doing in the podcast right now. I think that it's my best piece of content yet. And I look forward to growing it. And again, I look forward to having you, Debbie, on it. Perfect. And I can't wait to be on it too, Louise. Now, if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Well, you know, they can look me up on LinkedIn. I will give you, I mean, it's you can search for Luis Magalhães, but because the Portuguese can be a bit tricky, <laughs> I'll give you a link. And they can email me directly at lewis at distantjob.com. I would say that they could find me on Twitter, but uh, my relationship with Twitter is a bit on and off. So <laughs> I, I, I'm afraid that I might not be as responsible as a, a good person in the Twitterverse should be. So yeah, LinkedIn and the Distant Job email are probably the best places to, to, to reach me. And we will definitely put all those links on our website. Thank you so much, Louise, for being here with us today. I really appreciate all the knowledge that you gave us. It was my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Louis. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where he shares how to build and manage a remote team for content creation. Hey, Offbeat family, I really appreciate you listening to this episode. I would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, or maybe you just want to be friends. Why don't we chat some more on Facebook at The OB Life or send me a message at hello at theoffbeatlife.com. I can't wait to hear from you.